don't throw darts at board. I bet on sure things. Leave Sun Tzu, the art of war. Every battle is won before it's ever fought. Think about it. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Always B B C closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. The show goes on. It's Wednesday night and fantasy football is on the agenda. Grab a seat and let's get down to business. It's time for the fantasy boardroom. Here's your host, Tycoon. Welcome to the Fantasy Boardroom. I am your host and fantasy CEO, Tycoon. Thank you for joining me this evening. I will be solo tonight, so we're just going to strap right in. And to begin, we're going to bow our heads, have a moment of silence for our beloved Travis Etienne, who is out for the season with a Liz Frank injury. Get better, Travis. That's all I can say. Look forward to seeing you next year. But gut-wrenching moment. Uh, And we're going to have a couple of quick announcements here real quick just before we uh, dive right into the main agenda. First and foremost, want to welcome the two newest members to the Fantasy Collective. That would be Bugsy and Papa. Bugsy and Papa have launched the Collective Cave here with us where you can get all of your NFL gambling and betting advice. The first episode was launched earlier this week, yesterday in fact, um, going over team props preseason, division winner props and team win-loss props. Highly suggest you check it out. Some great information, great bets. Go listen, go make some money. So tonight, the theme of our episode is risky business. In the news of Travis Etienne's injury, thinking of Cam Akers, Michael Thomas, and other players that we've seen succumb to injury so far in the preseason, it's important to remember that, you know, these things happen. It's important to remember that there is risk There is risk baked into fantasy football, into every player. No matter how much you want to remove it, it's there. Just is what it is. So you have to develop a certain level of risk tolerance and understand risk management to a degree. Now, risk is necessary to win, and that's what we're going to discuss when we're discussing risk tolerance. And I'm going to try to encourage you to not let these injuries scare you away from positional fragility or from elite players returning from injury. I'm not saying ignore these things altogether, but what I am saying is don't let them frighten you. And following that, if there's time here at the end, we'll run through some of the other news in the NFL, but it's really just going to be hard for me to get off of ETN's injury, if you've been paying any attention to me at all. So risk tolerance. Risks do need to be taken to finish first in the league. That's what we're here for. The goal is to win it all. Second place is just first loser. So look, these... All right, I'll back up just a second. A few episodes ago, discussing draft strategy with the Get Right Fantasy Network crew, we talked about 
minimal risk with your first round selection. And to a degree, that is very true. You do not want to take the big risks that early in the draft necessarily. That's where you want to guarantee your high-end production and go from there. And in general, again, that rings true. So we're not talking about that first-round pick, maybe not even your second-round pick, although I would encourage you to start to get risky at that point and then move on from there. Because these safe players, or perceived safe players, dry up real quick. There really are not very many of them. So chase ceiling, don't chase floor. Again, very basic 101 argument, but something that's very critical. So just remember you're going for the highest possible outcome. Second place means nothing. So in relation to that and in relation to the injury news, which is what kind of prompted this whole discussion to begin with, don't let it deter you from taking risks on certain players. Um, Akers was a little bit of a risky player to begin with since we only saw him really take on that workhorse role late. But the signs were there for that role. We saw the talent flash. It was expected that he was going to be just simply the man there in Los Angeles. And in all likelihood, that's what would have happened. But again, it was still brief what we saw, so we can't say with total certainty. So there was a certain element of risk there baked in with taking Cam Akers. Travis Etienne, rookie, coming in behind James Robinson, outstanding undrafted free agent last season. That said, you know, rookie risk as well. Not a great team situation. Urban Meyer is a risk. But the talent that he has... The situation and usage that he was expected to step into offensively were expected to be pretty positive. So there was enough there to take take a shot at him, you know, like late fourth round, sometimes even earlier, depending on league format. But again, he got hurt. He was affordable, but you definitely passed on a pretty strong wide receiver in the range that you drafted him. So you took a risk. That one didn't pay off. Don't let that scare you. This is kind of where best ball practice theory positional fragility is a really good example. So in these cases, it's more than likely, in the case of Akers, for instance, we'll just throw that out there. You had to take him by the second round earlier this season or this offseason in order to have him on your team. Okay. Virtually any running back that you take at that point, if you lose them due to injury, is just going to be a crushing blow. That just is what it is when it comes to your high-end picks, to your first and second round picks. It's not impossible to win if you lose them. I saw teams win after losing Christian McCaffrey last season. So if you're a skilled player, there are ways. But man, is it hard. Man, is it crushing when you get that news. Oof, gut-wrenching. Now, in best ball, the ideal build tends to be a smaller group of running backs, maybe four, and a large wide receiver group. You know, forget the other positions. That's what we're talking about right now. Strong and safe-performing running backs are honestly very few, and handcuffs and other running backs who can step into strong roles like that are even fewer. They're really, everybody likes to think these backups can step in and take over this prime role if, you know, Madison for Cook, Pollard for Zeke, and that's just really not the case. Um, so that's an even smaller positional pool. 
So there's really not a whole lot of reason to go overly deep. Because again, if you lose one of these guys early, whoever you're taking in these middle to late rounds largely is not going to do enough to bridge the gap to make it work for you. Particularly the earlier you take these, you know, fourth running back, so to speak. I mean, I, I encourage, obviously, having some sort of positional depth injuries are going to happen. Don't be dumb, but don't go overboard. You don't need to take, you know, four RBs in the first five, six rounds. I, I, I'm coming off this in previous years, um, but you don't need to go extra robust RB or even at another position. Not early on, anyways. The whole point is to maximize your potential high outcome your potential ceiling you need that range of outcomes the high end of your range of outcomes to be as high as it can possibly be in order to win your league and the larger the league or if you're getting into tournaments daily in particular it's beyond critical the larger the league the larger the pool of teams you're competing against the more critical that is and you also need to take chances at the top of the heap with such low positional depth and save the flyers for late rounds. So this kind of goes back to once you get into those, honestly, second and beyond rounds, you got to start taking risks. You got to start taking shots at certain players. That's just what is necessary. Because if you don't, they dry up. That position's gone. You've already kind of locked yourself out of other positional options or at least high-end options. And so now you're kind of left with nothing. So embrace the fragility, hit them early and stop, particularly running back. Get a couple early, stop, pound wide receivers, wide receivers, wide receivers, and get a couple of later running backs because who you get in round 11, 12, it's not going to be much different from who you might pick up six, seven, eight. It's really not. And again, back to if you lose your early RB1, you're most likely in big trouble anyways. Those mid-round running backs are unlikely to save you. You're more likely to have you know, a lucky waiver wire pickup, a Mike Davis from last season, than you are to have, I don't know, say Gus Edwards lead you, lead you to glory. He'll be a nice pick. He'll be a nice flex play for certain things. But if you're ever relying on him in any major capacity, you're done. Now, wide receivers, they do have a much wider weekly range of outcomes. Again, Kind of like running backs, those truly elite are few, but the relatively close second level is a bit larger, and you can accrue a lot of possible difference makers at this position, which I think is kind of the idea behind that in best ball and just loading up at that position to maximize your potential weekly output. So I would say you need to take more chances at upside when it comes to the wide receiver position and pay close attention to weekly matchups. It is important to remember that fantasy football at its core, is a weekly game. We have a lot of formats. Uh, a lot of viewers of this show are Dynasty players. I'm a big Dynasty player. Absolutely love it. It's probably my preferred format at this point. So that gives you a long-term view, typically. And in redraft, season-long leagues, we get really fixated on the whole season. But it's a matchup on matchup. It's whoever you are facing that week against your team. And it's that simple. It's only what the players do that week that counts. So in a sense, you're already playing daily on a season-long basis. You're in a committed DFS league. 
Now, look. Again, I'm not saying do anything dumb. I'm not saying ignore positions, ignore depth. You know, go zero RB or anchor RB. That's not what I'm saying here. What I am saying is if you don't take that risk, you're giving yourself much less chance to win in the end. And I know I'm kind of getting a bit repetitive at this point, but I, I just can't drive that home enough. And also, trust your gut as you're going through your drafts, as you're developing your build strategy. Because at the end of the day, you know, you've you've got your own preferences. You've no matter how many rankings you read, no matter how many articles you read, you know what you want to do. So trust your gut on certain players. Take that plunge where you have to. If you have to reach a little bit, go for it. You know, if it's a rookie you expect to thrive, jump at it. If it's an ignored, not quite over the hill veteran, say maybe you're still a big Jarvis Landry believer. Sure. Camp hype you've bought on somebody. Why the hell not? These lottery tickets are really usually the league winners that are so damn coveted, and you can't win if you don't play. So, again, positional fragility. Leave yourself somewhat exposed at a position in order to build a really dominant strength at another. Because of the way the position scarcity falls, I suggest doing that with running back. Get a couple of strong running backs early, build yourself a monster wide receiver core, and push that running back depth off just a little bit. Obviously, get somebody that you know you can slide in a little bit later on and bye week fill-ins and whatnot, but don't go too high for that third and fourth running back. Take that next premium wide receiver, particularly in leagues that have more flex positions, Uh, I'm typically discussing full PPR here. Again, single QB, season long, PPR. So with those constraints, that's what you want to do. The more flex, the more wide receiver you need. Reception to free point, wide receivers rack up the receptions. And obviously put the premium on the receiving running backs and creates value for the JD McKissicks of the world, for instance. But... That's, and those are the other kind of guys you can get you know, late for fill-ins in these type of leagues that you don't have to spend that mid-round pick on when there's still wide receiver twos and threes on the board, wide receiver fours on the board. They're going to put up wide receiver two weeks, given their situation. So those, it's, it's to me, and it should be to you, really very simple. Embrace that fragility. Embrace that risk. Because I'm kind of just expanding that on the general premise of you have to take risks to win. Now, we usually isolate it to small things like individual players, like I talked about like at, here at the end. You know, reaching on a rookie, for instance, like I've done for, on Travis Etienne for a while. And I don't regret it. It's a bummer he got hurt. But that's a risk I had to take because his potential ceiling there, top 15 RB for the season if things broke right. And getting him in the fifth round of drafts, I mean, I'm putting myself in a position to have three running back ones on a roster. And those are the shots you have to take. And then also, if you're doing things like that, now that seems to go against my own advice of saying pound wide receiver there in the middle. But when you're, you know, you have those hunches back to trusting your gut, you know, you do take that reach. Or if you 
or take that perceived steal of a value, a guy you think maybe should have been a late third round pick. You're getting in the fifth. You can't pass that up. Don't pass that up if that's how you feel. But please take chances and take a lot of them. It's all or nothing. Big shots. It's like anything in life. Business, for instance, boardrooms. You know who runs the boardrooms? Guys that take the risk to start the business, put everything on the line to make it happen. Now, you can just be an employee. You can take your safe picks. You can go draft Chris Carson. That's awesome. He's going to produce fine. But you know exactly what you're going to get because that's what you agreed to get, just like when you enter an employment agreement with an employer. However, the person at the top in charge who took the gamble, who took the risk, has the shot at the ultimate payoff. Now, the difference here is this is just fantasy football. You know, not your livelihood. At least, hopefully you're not putting your livelihood, your full you know, life savings here into league news. So take those chances. Have some fun. Take the risk. Just win, baby. And since it is just me, no guests kind of banter off of, that's kind of where I'm going to leave it. I just wanted to leave it there and give my general thoughts of what's been running through my mind, thinking about these injuries and ideal builds because I feel like that's going to be something that's really going to scare a lot of people here as they go right into prime redraft season here, and draft season, right before the season, rather. Oh, I've got a question here. Seventh overall pick, Blue Crew. What's up, Blue Crew? Should I target a wide receiver or still reach for an RB? Half PPR, 12 team, one QB, two running back, two receiver, tight end, and flex. So it's one QB. I don't see seventh. I don't necessarily think is a running or is a reach at running back. And since it is only half PPR, you don't get that same edge on the receiving side. I probably still would take a running back here. And if Kelsey is still on the board here at seven, I would even consider him. I would actually try to see if you can wait him out to the second. I've seen that happen a lot more lately. Uh, but in this case, no, I would probably still go running back, especially if you disagree with a couple of them taking ahead. See, the after McCaffrey and Cook, it feels like the Camara, Henry, Zeke, Barkley tier is all kind of jumbled. So if you have a preference there, pay close attention, because if you think it should be Henry at three and he somehow falls to you at seven, snap him up. If you're not afraid of Barkley's injury and he falls to seven, you think he should have been in that top six? Snap him up. For instance, that's what I would do. Barkley's been making it to seven. I would break my mouse, click, and draft. So I don't think it's still a reach for an RB if it's the right guy. And there's a very good chance that one of those guys is going to be there at RB7. So, no, I, I would not advise taking a wide receiver here. Now, come around to the second round, depending on what, you know, if you still have Adams or Hill on the board, you probably want to take them. But right here, no. AKA, that's right, Dustin. So yeah, just to kind of close this out again, though, yeah, risk is what's been running through my mind. I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to head into their drafts right before the season here, just scared off by what's happened with these injuries. They're going to avoid other perceived scary situations, make a lot of safe picks, and they are going to... Honestly, 
shoot themselves in the foot. It's just what's going to happen. They're going to make safe picks throughout the draft. Guys, they know old reliables in a sense, and you need some of those, but they're not going to take any chances. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make the third place game, lose. And it's ultimately going to be just another wasted fantasy season. So take chances, please. Take chances. Blue, you're welcome. Thanks for joining. All the thanks goes your way. I've got uh, nothing to be thanked for, but I appreciate your attention, your time, and we will pick this up next week. We'll have another great episode for you. Got a tremendous guest. I cannot announce just yet, but we're going to have a great show. We're going to get back on track, actually having meetings in the boardroom instead of me simply addressing the camera. But for now, thanks again. And this meeting of the boardroom, the fantasy boardroom. Oh, 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 it is not adjourned. We have another question, so we're not going to end it just here. Does a CEH injury scare you? At this point, it doesn't. Uh, I haven't seen anything about high ankle sprain or anything like that. That's always dreaded. So at this stage, I'm not concerned, but it is something to continue to very closely monitor. Because if he is still expected to be, you know, full go week one, I'm I'm very much in on CEH this season. I think we're going to see a lot more out of him, but I'm very excited to, to see what he can do. He's another guy that, well, he's probably not that much of a risk where he's being taken. So, and, and that's another point I want to make before I sign off. Don't just pass up on great value to take a risk necessarily because that's the safe pick. There's a lot of nuance to this. What I'm saying is if it's something that you know can pay off, you know, for instance, CEH, you had a big running back run. Again, if Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams is still available at a time when CEH is the best running back on the board, well, CEH's range of outcomes is not greater than what you're going to get from Hill or Adams. So that's kind of what I'm talking about. Just, you know, use your brain. You guys are smart. All of you are very smart. But let me try this one more time here. I am uh, going to sign off here for this meeting of the Fantasy Boardroom is here.